Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's Wednesday, May 11th, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes. Hoynesy, uh, Tuesday night, the Guardians coming off of the high of that uh, that come from behind win on uh, Monday, and uh, you know could only muster one run against Lucas Giolito. Uh, Giolito seems to be a uh, one of those guys who every time the the, the Cleveland faces him, uh, he just he just seems to have one of his better nights. Yeah, uh, you know, early in his career, uh, the uh, Cleveland really knocked him around a little bit. Uh, they kind of owned him, but uh, in the last nine starts, he's four and one uh, against the uh, the Guardians right now, uh, with uh, like a O ninety two ERA. He, you know, that they they're hitting one eighty one against him, uh, and he struck out seventy guys in uh, fifty five innings. So, you know, that was more of the same last night. He was he was dominant last night. Yeah, we were uh, we had seen uh, Cleveland's offense sort of come alive on on Monday, and then uh, you know guys like Framil Reyes, or I, I believe Framil's zero for eight in the series uh, so far, a uh, bunch of strikeouts, and uh, you know Giolito just sort of figured out a way to uh, it was it's it's changing speeds, and that was that was really what he's he's very good at. He he, he not only throws uh, the changeup. Uh, off of his his fastball, he, he throws it at like two or three different speeds, and it gives you a lot to think about in the box when you're a, a hitter. And it really sort of messed with uh, Cleveland's young lineup. Yeah, and, and he's really tough against lefties, uh, Joe. Really, you know, kind of dominated them. The Indians had, uh, I mean, the Guardians had what uh, like four or five lefties in that lineup, and they didn't do a whole lot except for. Uh, the one guy that does something against everybody with is Josh Naylor. So Josh Naylor is uh, is just about as hot as any hitter in baseball right now. Uh, if if voting for the comeback player of the year took place in May, I think Josh Naylor would have the award locked up. Oh, no doubt about it. Uh, you know, when he singled in his, his first at bat, um, you know, Tuesday night, uh, that was that gave him four hits in his last four at bats, you know, RBI double grand slam three run homer and a single, you know, going back to la- um, uh, the uh, the first game of the series. So he, he is really he, he's hitting everything. Joe, he's hitting good pitching and uh, he's locked in at the plate. And, uh, you know, he's just what the uh, the Guardians need right now. I think, you know, they, they finished this series against Chicago. And then, you know, head for a three-game series over the weekend against the Twins, against, you know, the first-place Twins. Yeah, uh, the, the the encouraging thing, the exciting thing to see with Naylor was that the home run last night 
after after two pretty much moonshots on Monday night that he pulled to, to the to the right side, uh, he went down and got a pretty pretty good fastball on the outside part of the plate and drove it to um, to left field and, and out of the park uh, using using all fields. When he's doing that, uh, it's it it's exciting to see because you know he's staying on the baseball no matter where it's pitched and. You know, Tito says when he's using all fields, that's that's when he's at his best. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, that's an approach the whole team has taken. But, you, you know, you usually don't see that from a power hitter. I mean, the power hitters are going to try to yank the ball. That's what they do. You know, that's probably when they eventually find their swing, you know, they, they, they do the most damage to the pull side. But it was good to see, you know, uh, Naylor go the other way there. Well, speaking of somebody who has found his swing and, and found his stroke, uh, Ahmed Rosario, another three-hit game, uh, his second three-hit game of the series uh, last night, and you, you've got to start thinking. Uh, Rosario's out in left field the last two games. Uh, it looks like he might be there for a while. The way that Andres Jimenez is is hitting and and playing defense uh, is is his versatility one of the most important things for the Guardians right now? Yeah, I think so, Joe, and I think. Um... You know, this is a this is a key move for uh, Francona. It really makes I think his life a lot easier if he can if he can you know if if uh, Rosario can make the transition to left field and and still stay productive offensively. You know that's going to allow him to play that young infield. You know with you know not counting uh, Jose Ramirez with Naylor, Owen Miller, Jimenez, and then and then uh, J Ram. Uh, and uh, you're going to get uh, hopefully some production, the same kind of production you got out of left field uh, that that uh, Rosario gave you last year. And uh, he was saying uh, last night, uh, Francona, that you know when when they played Rosario in center field last night uh, last year, he didn't hit. You know, he only hit when they moved them back to shortstop. Now you know he's had a great start in left field. I mean, he dropped the ball uh, the other night, but uh, you know, he looked really good going, you know, tracking down a couple balls to the track last night. Uh, and uh, this could be, you know, pretty could really settle that lineup and give them a chance to uh, see what this young infield can do. Yeah, I, I sort of thought last year that it was the move to shortstop that that really settled him down and, and got him locked in at the plate. But it was also the timing of it. It happened in May of, of last year, late May of last year. And it was when the weather was starting to warm up. So maybe, uh, you know, draw a different comparison. Maybe he's more like uh, his, his Dominican countryman, uh, Jose, or I'm sorry, uh, Carlos Santana, who notoriously didn't like hitting in cold weather. Uh, and once things warmed up, he warmed up. Uh, is, uh, is, is Rosario just a fan of warmer weather? And that, is that the case? Yeah, I mean, it could be, you know, and, and uh, nobody likes to hit in April in Cleveland. I don't think, I mean, you have to be a polar bear, half polar bear to do it, to do it well. So, uh, you know, he, he has swung the bat. Well, you know, we've talked about this before. He gives you that dimension of speed when he gets on the bases, you know, I don't think he's going to hit a lot of home runs, but he's a line drive hitter. You know, he's the guy that keeps the line moving, especially at the bottom of the order. Yeah. Last year he was, he was sort of forced into that number two spot in the lineup and, and was real productive there. It's, what strikes me is everything jumps off the bat uh, of his uh, and it's, it's on a line drive or it's hard hit on the ground. It's he, he doesn't uh, he doesn't 
miss too too often at the plate when he when he decides to swing it's usually pretty hard contact yeah definitely and <clears throat> maybe at the bottom of the order he can help you you know you, you keep him out of double play situations you know with uh, you know guys like straw and 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 J- uh, Ramirez getting on base because he hits the ball like you said Joe he really hits the ball hard and when he hits it on the ground you know the double play could be in order All right uh so you know look just looks like uh, another sort of facet another another face of that uh that guardians lineup sort of maybe coming into focus uh as we move forward too uh it, sometimes it's 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 tough to pick out you know uh tito and and chris antonetti and mike chernoff's vision coming out of uh spring training but you know this is sort of what we're seeing now where where he wanted to go with this uh with this infield and with the lineup and you know it's it, it's just interesting to see it all sort of you know come together and, and mix together yeah you know when when you you know, in spring training, you know, Francona always talks about, hey, we're, it's going to take a little bit of time to uh, feel this out for people to settle into positions. And it's usually just around May where, you know, that the front office and Francona and the coaching staff start to get a feel for this, uh, this roster. And I think that's what we're seeing now, Joe. I mean, history is repeating itself. Uh, well, uh, history repeating itself. I, I don't know. Last night, um... Monday night's game, it was the White Sox defense that sort of opened the door for the Guardians' big rally. Uh, last night, it was the Guardians' defense sort of returning the favor. Uh, a couple of uh, mishandled pop-ups that, that led to an opportunity for Gavin Cheats to get an extra strike, and that was all he needed to, to hit a, a two-run homer that, that sort of changed the game at that point. Uh, what did you see defensively out of uh, Cleveland's defense? And, and are there any concerns there? Yeah, you know, I don't know if there's a concern, but, you know, it certainly extended, you know, that, that sixth inning for Cal Quantrill, who had pitched really well to, up to that point, I thought. Uh, you know, uh, um, you know, Jose Abreu, a, a really a dangerous guy, sends a pop-up, you know, in, in foul territory at first base. Naylor comes uh, rushing over in front of the Indi- uh, the Guardians' dugout, overruns the ball, drops it. But, you know, uh, Quantrill limits the damage, and, and Abreu gets, you know, grounds out. But still, he, th- he has to throw extra pitches. Then, uh, you know, with uh, – he, he's so, you know, he gives up a single uh, to, to uh, Lu- Luis Roberts, but he comes back and strikes out Grandel. So he's two outs, one on. You know, he's – the White Sox are leading one to nothing. So he's, you know, he's at the doorstep of getting out of the inning. Uh, then uh, Gavin Sheets send a, sends a fly ball by the grandstand in foul territory at third base. You know, Jose Ramirez makes a long run, gets a glove on the ball right by the, by the wall, by the fence there, and drops it. And two pitches later, Sheets hit the ball out of the park for, you know, a two-run homer and a three-run lead. And basically that was it. Um, it was a tough play, you know, Francona said it was a tough play for Jose. He was going at full speed. He said the ball kind of handcuffed him, but it's a play we've seen Jose make, you know, time and time again. That was, you know, we've, he, he's really good at that play and he dropped the mm-hmm. ball and he didn't get an error. You know, Naylor got an error. Uh, the official score didn't give uh, uh, Ramirez an error because of the, you know, how far he had to go to get to the ball, but Still kind of, uh, you know, it opened the door and the White Sox went through, you know, walked through it. 
Yeah, we've seen Jose make plays like that. Uh, he's he's really good at being sort of the only guy on that side of the uh, the the infield or outfield uh, who has a shot at some of those those uh, those catches, and you know he usually always makes them. Uh, it, it's unusual to see that that ball pop out of his glove. Uh, so uh, you know I, I'm sure we'll go a, a long stretch before we see anything like that, but. Uh, as far as what, what Quantrill was able to do, he, you know, he was able to, to sort of bear down and, uh, you know, give him, give him innings and give him length, but it wasn't, he didn't, he didn't necessarily finish. And that was the, the situation, uh, you know, his, his defense gave the, gave him a couple more outs than, than maybe necessary in that, in that inning. But, uh, the pattern that we've seen so far is Quantrill will give you a, a, a brilliant outing. But uh, you know, maybe just not enough to to finish off and get the get the win for himself. Yeah, I mean, it it was. Uh, I thought the fifth inning was really interesting. <clears throat> he gets uh, the first two guys bottom of the order out in like six or seven pitches, then gives up <clears throat> a double to Josh Josh Harrison, who's hitting one forty five coming into the game. You know, uh, the number nine hitter gives up a double off the wall in left center. And then Tim Anderson, who's finally woken up in this series, you know, singles through the middle and it's one to nothing, but it's only one to nothing, you know, so he'd still pitch really, really well until, you know, until, you know, until it kind of got away from him in the sixth inning, but that wasn't really his fault. I mean, it happens, you know, Quantrill still 98 pitches, 71 strikes. I think he threw 72% of his pitches for strikes, Joe. Yeah. You know, the average MLB uh, pit starter throws at 63%. So, you know, he was pounding the strike zone. He, he said he got a little timid, a little tentative in that sixth inning, kind of, and kind of almost blamed himself for what happened. Yeah. And it, it, it's, it's just interesting. He, he comes off an outing where he had given up a season high in, in walks and, and really uh, what he, he didn't, he didn't really walk anybody or, or too many in that, in, in the last, last night's outing. So. He scattered 10 hits. So <laughs> yeah. That, it, it, so the, the trade-off is if I'm, I'm, I'm going to be around the zone, they're going to hit the ball. And obviously the Chicago lineup is, is going to hit the ball. Uh, speaking of hits, there were no hits in the game between the angels and Tampa Bay last night. Uh, our old friend, Corey Kluber started the game for the Rays, but it was, uh, the Angels rookie uh, Reed Detmers, who uh, who faced Cleveland uh, during their West Coast trip last week, uh, Reed Detmers had the uh, two weeks ago. I'm sorry, uh, Reed Detmers pitched a no hitter, uh, first first individual no hitter of the season after last year. At this time, we had about five, uh, and all of those were thrown against Cleveland. So. Um, <laughs> Uh, what do you make of Reed Detmers coming through with a 12 nothing win against the uh, the Rays last night, holding that lineup hitless? Yeah, I mean, uh, historically, the Rays have been no hit a lot, Joe. If you look back, they, they're one of the teams that it, it seems like, you know, especially early in their early in their in their, uh, you know, history, they, they were no hit a bunch. Um but uh, this is a, you know, that's a championship lineup. So, you know, he did a, he must've done a great job. I didn't see the game obviously, but you saw him in, uh, in uh, Anaheim mm-hmm. at the big A. What, what did you think of him? Did he make an impression on you? You know, uh, he, he pitched enough to get them a win. And it, it's, it, that was the, the thing is the, 
with that lineup, you don't really have to do too much. It's you've got Mike Trout. Uh, he homered in the game. Uh, Shohei Otani. It, it's you, you just have to do enough to to get them uh, some some runs in that situation. Detmers didn't look dominant against Cleveland, but he he it, he did enough to to keep Cleveland's lineup uh, you know sort of in check. Uh, they really didn't put it put together. That was when they were really struggling to sort of string hits together. So uh, yeah, it, it, I, I don't know if you can necessarily say you saw this coming. But uh, nine innings, he only struck out two, two batters. He struck out two and walked one. So, you know, it was the definition of let him put the ball in play and trust your defense behind you. Uh, but at the end of the game uh, last night, Tampa Bay, Kevin Cash puts uh, center fielder Brett Phillips out there uh, on the mound trying to, to save his bullpen an inning. And Phillips gives up uh, four runs on five hits. Uh, including a pair of home runs late in the game. One of them was to Trout, uh, sort of an unfair matchup, Brett Phillips against Mike Trout. But then Anthony Rendon goes up there and bats left-handed against Brett Phillips, and he, he hits a left-handed home run. And really? He, yeah, that was the uh, – uh, this is a guy who, who's a, a strictly right-handed hitter, and he goes up there batting left-handed in a major league game against a position player – uh, pitching and uh, hit a bomb to uh, right field. So really unusual to see something like that. Really unusual to see that, you know, uh, a major league hitter would go up there and bat left-handed when he's not a left-handed hitter. But uh, that really sort of jumped out uh, in the, in the game to, for me to see that. Uh, yeah. I mean, it just goes to show you, Joe, I mean, we don't think of, you know, major, you know, hitters or major league baseball players as really like elite athletes, you know, but to do that, you know, to, to be able to do that, just come off the bench and, and, and just be able to like, uh, you know, switch sides and hit the ball out of the park. You know, that shows you something that eye hand coordination, that, that thing, that's, that's just natural. Cause you know, I don't think Rendon is hitting, you know, left-handed in BP, you know, he's, no. he's not, he's not, he's not, he's concentrating on his right-handed swing. It, it kind of reminds me you know, a Carlos Carrasco, Carrasco, you know, he could, he was, he could throw lefty and righty and he could throw lefty probably around 85 miles an hour. Yeah. That, that's crazy. Is that he can, he, to be able to throw hard at that, to have the mechanic, the body, you know, awareness and mechanics to be able to, to pitch from both sides of your body. That's just, it blows my mind, but uh, you know, there might've been a time in, in Rendon's career, maybe early on when he was a switch hitter, or, you know, he batted from both sides of the plate because his swing didn't look like a guy batting left-handed who, who didn't know what he was doing. So uh, he, he sort of – it was actually a low pitch that he, he golfed out to, to right field. Uh, I don't know. Did you ever – did you ever swing the bat left-handed? You ever uh, – or wait a minute. Are, are you lefty? No, I'm a righty. I'm You're a righty. righty. So you, ever, you ever swing the bat left-handed? But, you know, I went to a family softball game uh, picnic. We were playing softball. And they had, everybody had to hit left-handed and I was terrible, Joe. I couldn't, you know, I'm, a, I'm not a great, I, I, I was a terrible softball player anyways, but I couldn't, I didn't come close to, you know, hitting the ball left-handed. It, it's hard. If you, if you don't work at it, it is really, really difficult. When I was in, uh, when I was in high school, every Sunday night with the, uh, the church youth group, we'd, we'd get together and play uh, on the field out behind the church and, uh, it was a it was a 12 U baseball field that had 200 foot fences, and we were you know high school sophomores and, and juniors, 
Uh, and, and in one game, I hit uh, a home run right-handed and a home run left-handed uh, over the 200-foot fence. Carlos Baerga. There you go. Not I didn't do it in the same inning, but uh, it, it was fun. Uh, so yeah, you know, and I'm obviously I'm just like Anthony Rendon, right? That's that that <laughs> the, the the simple comparison there, but but no, uh, yeah, you're right. It takes a it takes a little bit to do what he did. So uh, and Reed Detmers, first individual no hitter of the season last year. Uh, what we we set a record? Yeah, uh, it was like and, seven or what, seven or eight, maybe uh, seven or nine. No, I think the record was seven. I think we got to nine. Yeah, uh, last yeah. year. And, and and think about it. Three of those came against the Guardians. Uh, this Guardians lineup, though, pretty you, you feel safe saying they're maybe no hit proof. After last year, I don't feel safe about anything, Joe. I mean, <laughs> any lineup can be no hit on a certain on the on the right day. I think. Well, I, I, I the approach is different, definitely yeah. this year. You, uh, the uh, I'll give you that. You know, guys like Miles Straw, Stephen Kwan at the top of the lineup. I think you know that gives you at least what uh you know what six eight chances uh you know in a game where those two guys come up and uh you know at least put the bat on the ball and put the ball in play and, and make you play defense on it uh chances to to have a no hitter uh, thrown against you uh, really dropping at that point so well monday night kopech didn't give up a hit till the fifth inning so you know it's <laughs> It's always lurking out there. Oh, okay. Well, you know, I, I, I what'd you write? Uh, you wrote three, four no hit stories last year. I, I yeah. Think was, uh, <laughs> well, and then and then Tampa Bay no hit him in the uh, in the right, seven yeah. inning uh, doubleheader, the one of the seven inning doubleheaders. The notable accomplishment, I guess, is what they they called it or whatever. Uh, Aaron Savali going with, against Vince Velasquez today uh, at Guaranteed Rate Field. Uh, Savali coming off of his best outing of the year. Uh, Velasquez two and two, the three nine seven ERA and twenty one strikeouts. Uh, what are we hoping to see here out of the Guardians? Yeah, you know, I think uh, you know Savali said he he wanted to build on that last start that he, it gave him something to build on. I'm anxious to see Velasquez. We haven't seen him. Uh, he he's he was pitched uh, in in uh, for San Diego and the Phillies last year. Um, so, you know, we'll have to, you know, get, and they really didn't announce him until last night, you know, it was undetermined who was going to start that game, this game. So, uh, you know, I think, the you know, guardians are getting the first look at this guy and we'll see what happens. Jose Abreu, a 133 lifetime average against, uh, Aaron Savali in 15 at bats. So, uh, hopefully there's, uh, there's a, a chance there to keep him in check as well. All right, Hoinsey. Uh, afternoon game and then uh, get away to Minnesota. We will talk to you again at some point tomorrow here on the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. Good deal, Joe.